welcome to Allendale Market Talk Podcast. This is Greg McBride and Mike Lung. Mike, lots of excitement in the uh, in the markets here uh, uh, the last couple of days. Uh, we're seeing uh, big moves in uh, in corn and beans after the USDA report. So let's uh, let's talk about it and let's find out why you're always bearish on on corn. Why am I always bearish on corn? Because that's what the customer needs me to be. A lot of our customers are long the field, and we need to be looking at levels that they can be taking risk off the table. Now, personally, I've been uh, pulling some of those hedges off over the last several trading sessions only because we have been moving higher, and we saw a gap last night. Uh, so you got some... You got some levels above us that might be looking uh, a little bit better to be reestablishing those hedges at. Uh, so some things we're paying attention to. I won't give any exact numbers uh, so the NFA doesn't come after us. But um, the reason why your broker should be bearish is because that is where your risk is. If you're a true hedger, you need to be taking risk off to the downside if, in fact, you are selling corn. On the oh, flip so side, you if you're buying corn. You mean to say that we're not actually uh, rooting against the producer? We're we're doing things that uh, make sense to uh, to make sure that we we protect prices, right? Exactly. I'm not I'm not here to say that this crop is worthless and everything you guys are working for is for nothing. I'm just looking. I'm sitting here thinking we have a lot of crop on hand. You guys are amazing at growing it. How are we able to take the risk off the table for you so that way we don't run into a problem that you can't produce again next year. Right. Very good. Well, with, uh, with that being said, now you mentioned that there's a gap on the, uh, on the corn chart. Um, what does that mean uh, for you? Is that a, is that a target now for the bears uh, to pull this thing back? Or is this just uh, uh, going to be that we look for maybe another gap uh, to, to be entered into the market, say on like Sunday night? Well, what I'm looking for at this point with the gap that's now open below us is you did the same thing last week where you gapped higher off the uh, off the numbers, but you gapped higher on Sunday night as opposed to Monday night, which we saw this week, uh, obviously due to the uh, crop progress report that we saw out dropping corn conditions 5%. So this gap, I'm not too sure if you're going to see a throwback to it. You saw a throwback on the first one last week, and this one was pretty strong. You had amazing volume behind it as well. And you finish pretty close to the highs. So you may see a bit of a throwback, but this might be the one where everyone's waiting to jump back on board on that pullback, but you don't quite see it. Well, let's, um, let's pause real quick because you just mentioned something, and we'll go back to our continuing education uh, that we had done a few months back. You mentioned a throwback. Explain the throwback, please. So a throwback is when you go back to that level of resistance and outturn support. You get the breakout, you jump above it, and you throw the market back uh, to that level before returning back higher. Uh, on the flip side, if you're in a bear market, that would be referred to as a pullback as opposed to a throwback. Uh, but both of those are returned to that level of significance that was either support or resistance before returning to the upward or downward trend, depending if it's a throwback or a pullback. Okay. Very good. All right. Um, thoughts on uh, uh, on this week's uh, drop in uh, in conditions? Was this was this just because of the the dryness? Do you think this was because of uh, starting to maybe 
better quantify the uh, the loss from uh, derecho kind of all of the above what's uh, what's your thoughts are? i think it was a good it's probably a good mix of all the above uh you got a better idea of what's get, starting to stand back up and what's just permanently on the ground um you get a little bit more into the fields and a little bit more understanding and what you saw last week was a drop of 10% good excellent for Iowa and this week was another 9% mm-hmm. so you are getting a pretty significant drop across the board uh, for Iowa that is continuing. And it could have a little bit to do with dryness, could have a little bit due to the storm that came rolling through, uh, but most likely a mix of both. Um, And with the dryness persisting, it might be something we continue to look for going forward. You started to see those pictures come out of the cracks in the field um, Mm -hmm. because of the dryness concern. So definitely could be a further developing story with a market that let's face it, is already more than willing to look to come back to some kind of level that might be a little bit more profitable for the farmer. Right. Well, I know the, the obviously the funds have been uh, uh, covering their short position uh, over the last uh, few weeks. We took it from, uh, what, close to 280,000 uh, short uh, to now just about 100,000 short. And obviously we don't know what they've done since last Tuesday. And the best guess would be that uh, maybe they've, they've lightened it up another you know, 50 to 60,000 contracts, bring them to, you know, short uh, 50 or 40 or 50, which at that point, that's almost basically a neutral uh, position. Do you, do you think that there's enough out there, or I guess maybe, maybe not enough out there when it comes to the corn to, uh, to warrant them flipping this to a, uh, to a, a long position or a slightly long position at this time of the year? I could see them going to a slightly long position. That would be about neutral for them compared to their uh, record long to record short position. Uh, so seeing them mildly long would, would not be too surprising uh, going into November. Uh, it would be a little bit more, I don't want to say discouraging, uh, a little bit more, I'd be less optimistic to say that they're going to be really building a long position going into November. Um, so that's something you have to be worried about is how bullish should you stand from here? Are we in that third wave in that when I say third wave, it's an Elliott reference of the third wave is usually the most impulsive, usually get the most emotion that's run us up. Uh, and at which point you'd be looking for the fourth wave correction on the fifth wave termination, uh, that would end this. So are we in the middle of that third wave with the gap? Uh, it could be a very good sign if we continue to run up for here besides seeing that throwback that we were just speaking about. But that's that's where we're probably most at is in the emotional part where everyone's going to start jumping in on this thing, saying that this has to go back to X, Y, Z, uh, much like what we saw during uh, May of last year with the uh, wetness concern. And we did get that gap during the third wave that just springboard us higher. Okay. Now let's uh, let's uh, spitball some numbers out here. Let's say that we drop uh, production by 500 million bushels. So we pull production out of uh, out of Iowa because of the derecho storm. We pull production out of uh, the Midwest because of the the dryness issues that we've seen over the last uh, few weeks, and which you know I think at this point the the yield uh, reduction because of the dryness on corn is not going to be as great as it possibly could be for the beans, um, 
because we've we've gotten through that pollination period, we've gotten through the first couple of weeks, but maybe it does start to shave a little bit off. What what does the the balance sheet look like, or what do ending stocks look like if you pull a, a half a billion uh, in production out? Any ideas? All right, now if you're just pulling the half a billion out. Leaving everything else unchanged should bring you down to that 2.4, 2.5. We keep talking about probably leaning more so towards the 2.5. Uh, if you adjust the exports accordingly, you probably get it more so towards that 2. Point, a little over 2.5. Um, but there are just so many factors out there right now, especially with the amount of China buying we've been seeing and the regularity of it as well. Uh, definitely could throw the whole equation into a bit of a loop. So maybe we're maybe we're sitting close to the 2.5 if we continue to see the China buying as well. But that's still not or that's 2. not 2.4. That's not bullish. I mean, last year we had we had all sorts of problems with uh, with getting planted. We had a you know what a 168 169 uh, crop, and we we still had what 2.2 on this year's uh this year's carryout somewhere in that neighborhood mm -hmm. so are uh, on the old crop carryout so i mean if you're at a 2.5 you're still you still have to be kind of on the defensive when it comes to prices so if you're if you're seeing these moves and this is not a recommendation but this is more of a hey take note type thing you got to start thinking about the idea of if i'm going to have a crop i've got to do something with it and that goes back mm -hmm. to our conversation earlier about why, you know, why your broker's always bearish. Mm -hmm. So what's, yeah. uh, I mean, let's, this, go ahead, go ahead. At this point, you're, you're seeing a price level that you have rarely seen all year. Uh, it's mm -hmm. been about since, uh, you saw it a little bit in the beginning of July, you saw it, uh, at the end of March, but we have not spent much time above this 350 uh, handle uh, for a majority of the year. So it definitely is something you have to be looking at saying, hey, can I do something with this? Can I use this opportunity to make sales before we get the historical uh, basis hit going into harvest? Uh, what can I do at these levels that is gonna be best for my operation? Now, you mentioned uh, you mentioned something there that I, I don't know that uh, we've talked you know too much about, but you talk about a, a historical basis. What would lead to mm -hmm. that? Or what is going to lead to that? Say everyone starts bringing their corn to town. Everyone's getting sold off the combine. Uh, say that for some reason there was a big storm that came through that knocked down a bunch of storage and they don't have on-farm uh, on storage. So now they all bring it all to the elevator and the elevator is full of corn. We can't take all this corn right now, so we're going to wind out the basis to make it look less attractive for people to continue to bring it in at this time. And when we need it more, we'll start to narrow that basis in a little bit because now we're running low on our piles, what may be it. Uh, but typically that harvest, you get people selling it off the combine, which- So you're trying to discourage people from storing it uh, at the elevator, essentially. Right, when they uh, run full of capacity, they're gonna try and discourage people from bringing more in when they don't have the, uh, they don't have the capacity to store it. Mm -hmm. Now we have the situation in Iowa where we've taken out a, a lot of storage, uh, whether it's uh, on farm or you know elevator type storage. Um, do, does that bleed into uh, some of the surrounding uh, states as well? Do you think uh, Illinois, uh, Minnesota, Nebraska, Missouri start to see that type of uh, uh, action with the uh, with the basis as well? 
Well, typically that's something that everyone's going to experience during harvest because everyone is trying to get something off the off the combine and bringing it into the elevator. Uh, so I, I would be looking at potentially, I mean, everywhere around the country around harvest time to be looking for that pace to widen. I don't know if it could be the same extent as some of these areas that were really hard hit mm-hmm. uh, and storage got taken out, uh, but you could could very well see bases wide out in surrounding areas. Well, that's that's what I was getting at is if, you know, obviously we do see bases uh, widen out as we go into harvest, uh, but uh, I didn't know if, if maybe you thought that uh, because, you know, some of these surrounding states see what uh, Iowa is doing for bases, they're trying to do the same thing so that uh, some of those uh, some of those producers that are near borders don't try and uh, bring it over to them to uh, to start storing in you know in some of the surrounding states so they they widen their own basis out which you know kind of in effect screws the the local customers yeah it's gonna be a, a case-by-case basis by how much they have committed and need to commit uh and how much they have on storage so it's really going to be an elevator to elevator ethanol plant, uh, whatever it may be, you're bringing it to uh, issue that they're looking to conduct. Because there could be those commercials that could be more so looking at taking advantage of the spreads, locking in that way, locking in their slim profit margin as opposed to really trying to outguess the outguess the market at this time. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, let's shift uh, over to the beans a little bit. Uh, we did see a drop in uh, in conditions by three uh, percent this week. Uh, any thoughts on on that? Because it seems like the beans and and uh, have kind of taken a backseat to the corn as far as the talking point for the damage uh, from derecho. But is they're not uh, they're not necessarily taking the the backseat to the corn when it comes to uh, dryness concerns, especially at this time of the year where we know that we're trying to fill pods and we haven't seen rain. So what's your what's your thoughts there? Beans have a they have a bullish picture, as you just said. It's it's dryness concern coming into the end of the crop year for them, and uh, what they have to uh, continue to grow from here with yield potential. Uh, it's just not looking great. On top of that, you've been seeing China come in day after day, picking up purchases. Not looking like they're really slowing down too much on buying beans at this time, especially with us competitive throughout the end of the year. So. They have a bullish picture. Uh, the biggest thing right now is they're bumping up against that 920, 930 threshold that has been topping out the front month November bean contract over the last several years since this whole trade war started. So at this point, yes, they have a bullish picture, but they also have a big psychological level that they really need to break through in order to continue to march higher from here. And I think that's the bigger thing that's capping this market is that psychological level of the 920 to 930 that just seems to be a difficult one to get through for this November bean contract, uh, especially with U.S.-China relations always on some kind of a shaky standpoint. Maybe they slow down, maybe they don't, but I really think in above 930 will be the turning point for whether or not we can continue to feed this poll or not. Mm-hmm. Now you, uh, you know, obviously we've uh, we had we were supposed to have a meeting uh, between the uh, the trade representatives a, a couple of weeks ago. Um, have they uh, have they actually done a a call here? Uh, and do we know uh, what was what was said in that call? 
Yeah, they did a call. Uh, it was something along the lines of, yeah, we're going to still meet phase one requirements, yada, 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 nothing too enlightening one way or another, just agreeing to stay on pace and continue to go towards what we agreed to during the phase one commitments gotcha. at this time. That's all we've got at this point. Okay. All right. Well, and, uh, you know, let's go back to uh, to our uh, to our conference conversation uh, from a few weeks ago, uh, you delivered the uh, the wheat presentation uh, in about 10, 14 minutes and um, really uh, knocked it out of the park. But there's something shaping up that I think uh, that you and I talked about uh, this morning. What are you seeing in the in this wheat market uh, uh, out there right now? Yeah, so the amazing thing about our presentation at the wheat market is on a numbers basis based on price we hit it right on the head. Timing, a little bit more off. Uh, we were expecting to see a bottom sometime in uh, August and work its way higher through uh, December. And as of right now, uh, price-wise, we were we were pretty spot on. And what's shaping up right now is a really nice head and shoulders potential bottom here uh, that could really skyrocket this uh, wheat to some nice higher levels that we haven't seen in a good while. Uh, so definitely something to pay attention to. You can find it on the December as well as the July of 21, uh, December 20, July of 21 contracts. Uh, that's definitely something to be watching that neckline and then retest that neckline as well to confirm. And what that does uh, for everybody that's listening, if you're planning on on planting uh, wheat uh, this uh, this fall, um, you've got to pay attention to this because uh, you know we tend to be able to. Uh, try and get sales done or or at least get hedges uh, put in on these uh, on these wheat contracts uh, in the middle of winter when uh, when everybody's not necessarily paying attention to it it's kind of a now it's in dormancy we'll just wait until it comes out of dormancy to do something with it but uh, sometimes that's where your best uh, your best prices are and that's that's about where it was last year so what uh, January is where we top that market out Mm-hmm. Yeah, typically much like what you see in corn and beans, it's it's when you have the most questions in the air is when you have the best prices because uh, there's so much things that are unanswered. For wheat, as you just said, it's usually when it's in dormancy. Did we just have a cold snap that came through that really hurt yields? Uh, what's going on for the rest of the season? That's usually when you have the most risk premium built into this market for the crop. So definitely something to keep a close eye on. Very good. Awesome. Well, make sure you guys give us a call at 800-262-7538 for our annual uh, yield survey. Love to get some numbers. That's going to be going through the end of the week with our presentation, uh, releasing our data on Wednesday, uh, September 2nd. So if you guys have a second, again, 800-262-7538 or find it online at allendale-inc.com. There will be an icon at the top uh, for the yield survey. But today for Allendale Market Talk, This is Mike Lung, Craig McBride, signing off. You guys have a great one. 